Welcome to the Frothcast, a podcast about. It's the morning, the morning of the final. My name is Hendo, and this is episode 19. This episode features an awesome chat I had with my good friend and West Oz froth lord, Thea McDonald Lee. Enjoy. Aloha and wasabi. I am your frother. And may the froth be with you. Yesterday was May 4th. I'm told that's some kind of Star Wars day. Uh, Don't recall seeing the movie? Don't at me, bro. That means today is Cinco de Mayo. Maybe it's the 6th of May. Maybe it's the 7th, wherever the hell you're listening from. Who knows? Thank you for listening anyways. Welcome back to the Frothcast. I am Hendonesia and... What the hell is going on out there in the cyber world? Uh, you've been watching the Margie's comp? You've been watching the Boost Mobile Market River Pro? How's your fantasy team doing? As of writing, the team named Powered by Perps is in first place, and I'm in fourth in my league. Plenty more heats to come, and it's still early days, but join the Frothcast Fam League on the WSL website for plenty of prizes, which will soon be announced. Speaking of Margaret River, boy, do I have a treat for you today. In continuation with my Chats with Loke Dog series, and in addition to her just being one of the frothiest humans I have ever met, it brings me so much pleasure to introduce my special guest, Thea McDonald Lee. Currently residing in Dunsborough, Australia, which is a pretty quick hop from Margaret River, Thea is a creative director, accomplished writer, surf museum curator, ripper shredder, travel enthusiast, French fry connoisseur, life lover, and so much more. Her knowledge in surfing, Western Australia culture, achieving your goals, and living a full life is totally infectious, and I'm beyond stoked. She shared her time with me on April 30th, 2021. So without further ado, here is that conversation. And I would be over the moon if you please enjoy my conversation with Thea McDonald Lee. Welcome. You've got mail. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I am over the moon. I am over frothing to welcome the one and only legendary Thea McDonald, Theos, Theomopolis, yes. so many classic nicknames. It is an absolute honor and privilege for me to have you on my show. You're a good mate, a creative lord, and an eternal muse. Welcome to the show, Thea. How are you going? Thank you, Hendo. I could not believe when you asked if I wanted to be on the Frothcast because I was like, there's nothing higher on the list of... Um, succeeding in a career than getting on the frothcast with like the frothiest person in the world so thanks so much for having me right back at you (laughs) i remember when we first met i was like this is an absolute frother i haven't met someone with so much froth so it uh it takes one to no one says the guy who had froth in his instagram name actually did a dj gig once and someone at the hotel i checked into was like mr froth they actually thought it was (laughs) my real last name so pretty classic story there but uh where are you frothing live from right now i am in dunsborough in western australia which is about half an hour up the road from margaret river 
Awesome. And what's the swell looking like? We keep hearing that it's going to be big Wednesday, big Sunday. The contest is going to have heaps of swell. How's it looking at the moment? Yeah, it's looking good. So it's down at Surfers yesterday watching everyone uh, warm up, warm up surfing. And it was funny, the last couple of days, it's just been broken board after broken board. Like I think Caroline Marks's board came out in four pieces. Kyle Belly snapped his board. There were broken boards today. And all over the gram, all the photographers are just like, welcome to the West, guys. This is <laughs> this is what's happening. And it's a bit kind of wobbly and chunky at the moment. There was a bit of like onshore yesterday and and all that, but it is looking like it's going to come around and be cleaner and they're calling it something in the range of 9 to 15 foot for an opening day on Sunday. So it's looking epic. Wow. And just to clarify for our Seppo American <laughs> listeners, 9 to 15 foot Australian is 20 to 30 <laughs> foot faces, right? Yeah, it's pretty big. But if you're in WA, you're casually saying, yeah, it's about six foot, maybe six to eight. So everything's played down over here. <laughs> wow. Well, before we get more into that, because we have so much to talk about and for the event, I would love it if you would entertain me for a moment and we could do a quick lightning round on Margaret River to try to understand kind of what it's all about in lieu of your famous... 37 questions, which we'll talk about a little bit later as well. But if you don't mind, we could do a little lightning round on Margaret River, answer as fast as you can, and then we'll get into the nitty gritty of the beautiful Margaret Dunsborough West Oz City. I love it. Let's do it. All right, here we go. And if I'm totally blowing this, let me know. So <laughs> Margaret River is also known as... Margie's. Margaret River is best known for... Waves and wine. Other than Jack Robinson, Felicity Palmatier, Creed McTaggart, the McCulleys, Jay Davies, Taj Burrow, Jake the Snake, Ant-Man, and Kale Walsh, plus a couple other ledge dogs. As far as I understand, it's Yelling Up, <laughs> Graystown, and Margaret River. Name two other ledge dogs from Margaret River region. Well, we got two. The girl who won the women's trials event and is now has a place in the CT on Sunday, Willow Hardy, is 14 years old. It's her first ever CT event. She comes from a long line of surfing family and she is just local legend. So definitely her for pick number one. Another legend number two, I would say, would be Mark Ogram, who I have been working for on and off for 10 years, who is the most humble shaper you'd ever meet in your whole entire life, never brags about himself. And he used to make boards for Jake when Jake was on tour. He taught Dave McCauley how to shape surfboards. And yeah, he's just an absolute legend who is so quiet that you would hardly know. Amazing. Is that Yahoo Surfboards? Yeah, yeah, that's Yahoo Surfboards. Yeah, I've seen that on your couple Instagram accounts. I saw that you worked there. And I'm really excited to see what Willow throws down. I mean, what a feat. Yeah. And the young women are just taking over. So step aside, fellas. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really excited for that. Uh, best Beach. It's not Margaret River, but I'd have to say Yelling Up. The Yelling Up stretch that has Yelling Up main break, rabbits and shallows is just my all-time favorite, the reason that I still live here. And yeah, it's got a choice of any kind of wave you'd want in such a small radius. And it's absolutely beautiful. The water's so clear. The beach is always nice. So Yelling Up. Sorry, Margs. Mm. Best flat white? <laughs> uh, El Camo in Margaret River does a really good espresso martini. I'll say that. All right, best avo toast. 
I don't go out for avocado toast a lot because it's really expensive to breakfast in Australia. So I'll make that at home. But one time you and I went to the White Elephant and that was pretty good avocado toast. So I'll say White Elephant. <laughs> I like their cappuccinos, their flat whites and their avo toast. All right. Well, speaking of breakfast, best sizzleable. Yeah. So what does that mean? Acai bowl. <laughs> in Indonesian. In Indonesian, it's an acai bowl. <laughs> Okay, cool. Just have to do a bit of language translation there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. There is a food truck that does that, um, the acai bowls, and you always find them up in Dunsborough in the mornings up on the road here. So, yeah, they do amazing ones from the food truck. All right. Best surf shop? I have to say Yahoo Surfboards. Mm. Uh, best pub? Actually, I went to the river the other night, and it's really nice, really nice in there. They've got an awesome room for bands, music, silent disco, nice outdoor, indoor, and very nice selection at the bar. So, yeah, the river's pretty awesome. Yeah, I saw my mate uh, Isaac Jones was doing some parties there pre-COVID, uh, I think like two or three years ago. Nts, nts, fun little disco vibe, so I still want to get back there. Speaking of the good times, best winery? I'd have to biasly say Arabina Estate, which is where we have the surf gallery. I would totally agree. I have had some amazing times and I was lucky enough to share them with you there, which is so cool. And we'll talk about the surf gallery because that is so cool and exciting. Couple more <laughs> quick ones for the lightning round and then we'll get into it. Best brewery? At the moment, I'd say the beers that are coming out of Wild Hop Brewery, which is closer to the Yelling Up Way, are just ridiculous. They've just put out like a mid-strength Nipa, which is delicious. It tastes like a full strength. And then they've got a couple of, you know, 6 to 8% beers, which you wouldn't even know that they're that alcoholic. So you've got to watch out when you're drinking them. But Wild Hop is doing really good beers at the moment. Wow. Okay. Wish I was there. Want to try that. <laughs> uh, speaking of something I will probably get overly jealous about again is uh, what's the best pizza out there? <laughs> Actually, there's that place down the end of the road at Margie's, the pizza place, which is like all kind of built underground. That's pretty epic pizza. Yes. Yeah. What's even that one called? I can't remember. Did you go? I went two years ago with my mate Jay and oh my yes. God, it was so, so good. good. <laughs> and I can't believe I haven't gone sooner. So if you told me to go there before, I am just so stupid for not <laughs> listening because that place is so good. Gunther, what's the name of it? Pizzica, Pizzeria, and Charcoal Grill. Cool. Thanks, Gunther. He'll put it in there. <laughs> All right. Cool. Last couple. Place most likely to see a CT surfer. The thing with WA is there are so many waves along the coast, long four-wheel drive tracks in all these different spots that... I think most of the time that's where you will find CT surfers, places where you don't see them. Mm. All right. Practicing somewhere. <laughs> Secret yeah. spots. Something that I love about West Oz is how raw and rich it is. There's so many animals and beautiful coastline. Seen any drop bears out there? <laughs> oh, yeah. Every day they're just falling from the trees. <laughs> Only onto tourists. Right. And then I was going to get into... Sharks, snakes, spiders. Uh, we could probably talk a little bit more about sharks out there. Um, seen any of those in your time? I think I saw one once. It was just a silhouette in, in a breaking wave, actually at the wave that's inside the Cape here, which is kind of way sharkier because there's seal colonies and just the way the Cape's Cape faces, a lot of them come in quite close here, but I've never seen one 
in a way that you would say, absolutely, definitely, that was a shark. Right. Well, we uh, know that we're in their home when we're out there. Let's hope everybody stays safe during the events. And uh, I know they've bumped up the protocols. So, you know, maybe we'll just see drop bears this year. And those little friendly fellows are not too uh, deadly, let's hope, right? <laughs> Unless you run into one in a random forester head or wherever I hat head or wherever I saw one, but they exist. Yeah. Cool. Well, you know what? I'm going to spare you my last question here because I asked it to my other mate and it's a poop joke. I don't think it's <laughs> the, the best question to ask. So we'll just move on here. And I really appreciate you uh, doing okay. that. It's cool to see you on the other side because you run an account called Mops Media and you do something called 37 Questions, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah. And what's that all about? 37 Questions is my take on Vogue's 73 Questions. So I love their concept. You know, they knock on the door of a celebrity, go in, and they ask 73 questions. And it's good. And while it is super interesting, and I do watch them, there is that element of staged. And you can feel sometimes how staged the answers are with particular things. And and it's awesome. And sometimes the interviews go for a really long time because 73 questions is quite a lot. So I just thought, spin it on its head. Let's ask 37 questions. Let's tell them that we're going to do it, but not prompt them in any way for any of the questions. So they are all just surprise quickfire questions. And I originally started doing it when I was working at Yahoo because I thought it would be a cool way to show some behind the scenes stuff. And the first video I did was actually with Zach Ogram. It looks weird because I'm filming him while he's in the shower, but it's an outside shower at the surf shop. It's not a personal shower in his home. And I did tell him that I was going to do it. It's like, hey, Zach, I've got this idea. Here's the concept. I'm going to try it on you first. Is it okay if I do it? And he, he did give me the dick go ahead, but now looking back on it, I realize it looks a bit creepy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so the concept is just to show behind the scenes of people who I think are awesome and amazing and to give them a few quick fire questions, a few maybe in-depth questions, have a bit of humor in it and um, yeah, put some videos out there. Well, I surely could have used your help with the one I just did and the lightning <laughs> rounds moving forward because you are great at it. And we're going to talk about Mops Media and a lot more. But firstly, let's get a little bit more detail on Margaret River. For those who have never been, could you paint a picture for listeners, what Margaret River or Yalling Up or Dunsborough, that whole area, what it's like. It is so unique. You know, they say geographically it's the most, Perth is the most isolated capital city in the world. And I think in the last year, the way that we've seen the pandemic hardly touch Western Australia also shows how isolated we are here. You, you just feel it as soon as you get here. Like one of the stories about when I first came over to Western Australia, I was living up in Bunbury because I was going to uni there and you hear all about Margaret River, Margaret River, but obviously it's an hour away from Bunbury. So I was like, okay, I don't have my driver's license. I've just come from living in Europe where you don't really need a car. You can get public transport everywhere. How do I get down to Margaret River? Okay, you can get this bus down there. Cool, get the bus down. Bus gets into Margie's, I get to the bus stop, the tourist information centre, get out, go in, hi, I'm just wondering like how to get down to the beach. And the woman says to me, oh, where did you park? I said, oh, I didn't park, I came on the bus. And she says, well, you're not going to the beach then. And I'm so devastated because I, I don't understand. The beach isn't in the town. She's like, oh, no, we're like 20 minutes drive here and this is here and this is here. And you just realise when you're here how 
spread apart everything is and how isolated all the bits and pieces are, but that is what makes it incredible is that you can go to all these super remote spots that, like you said, are so raw and so beautiful. It's the clearest water you've ever seen. It's clear sky. It feels like healthy when you're here, you know, in the air. It feels like I'm breathing really good, healthy air. And with the coastline, it is so wave rich, you know. I don't think there's anywhere else in the world where you can say you can surf good waves every single day of the year or year round, no matter what. And because the coastlines here, we've got a west-facing coast and the north-facing coast up in Dunsborough, it gives this really kind of eclectic experience of rugged swell on the west side and a ocean bay which is as good as the Caribbean or Fiji, you know, and, and the water there looks just exactly the same. So it is remote and it's rugged, but it's so beautiful and special and I think you find everyone who comes here, whether it was kind of accidentally or they had a friend or family who they were coming to visit, they, they they stay because it's so awesome and it just captures everyone. I couldn't agree more. And one thing I absolutely love about it, like you said, the air is so fresh and clean. The stars seem like you could almost touch them at night. They are so close. Yeah, they do. And I swear, I've never seen a bigger full moon anywhere in the world than here. Like the full moon rises here are ridiculous. And like you said, you feel like a week closer, like what's going on here? Yeah, I have so many questions. But firstly, so when did you move to the West, to Dunsborough? I came over in 2009 to do a degree called surf science at Edith Cowan University in Bunbury. That's right. So what is a degree <laughs> in surf science entail? That is so rad. Yeah, it's funny. A lot of people have laughed at it over the years going like, what do you do? Do you just fold beach towels? Like we don't understand. <laughs> but it was actually a really really varied course in touching between your ocean sciences, like your oceanography, meteorology, um, looking at your coastal zone management, all the marine life, environmental science stuff, and then also the sports science side of surfing. So, you know, your sports physiology. We did a couple of classes with the legendary high-performance coach, Mike McAuliffe, he took us for a few classes. We went on trips down to Denmark with him and did coaching and stuff with him all the while learning about, you know, biomechanics and performance and stuff. And then because surfing is this growing business uh, worldwide, as we see, you know, now it's it's amazing. It, there was the business side of the course as well, where you could do like your marketing courses. And there was an opportunity to do more structured business stuff like finance and accounting. I didn't really want to do that stuff. So I chose my electives in creative industries and then did like journalism and creative writing and stuff. Right. And you are quite the accomplished writer as well. And <laughs> heaps to talk about there. I mean, we could do so many series with you. I took a surf class in college. Yes. And I took it pass, no pass. So you basically needed to get a C to pass. And for some reason, the teacher told me I barely passed because I did not know that surf forecasting would involve a calculator, parabolas and math and all that, you know, so could have taken many pages out of your book. And now, especially as I'm getting older and I'm not stretching as much as I used to, the biomechanics of surf performance is something mm -hmm. that I am totally interested in. Do you have any quick tips how to do frontside full rotation airs better? <laughs> 
Definitely not because I can't do that. But one thing that was a massive takeaway from working with Stopper was psychology and getting in the mindset of things. And I think in surfing and outside surfing across all of your life, mindset and the way you're thinking about things and the things that you concentrate on and the energy that you bring to that is always going to be key in how you perform afterwards. So if I do a positive affirmation saying, I will do a backflip, I will do a backflip, then maybe (laughs) subconsciously I'll convince myself. (laughs) Well, you see it all the time with people who are trying massive stuff. If you kind of slow down the video footage and watch them, you can always see a point where in their head they've told themselves I'm not going to make this whereas like if if it was maybe a bit more I am going to make this then that the physical ability was absolutely there but you can see there's this tiny little tweak point where it was like oh I don't think I'm going to make this so uh, yeah positive affirmations and then just keep it in your head I'm going to make this I'm going to make this I'm going to make this (laughs) that's so fascinating and to that extent So two years ago, when I stayed a little bit longer after the event was wrapped, I went and did the sensory deprivation tank over there at the uh, hotel we stay at. And one of the workers there had told me that John John was doing that and setting intentions for winning the Margaret River Pro. And he's won it twice, as we all know. So there you go. That's proof in the pudding right there. JJF. Evidence. Yeah. Scientific. Tick. So rad. Well, speaking of that event, can you describe for listeners what main break, what that wave is all about, what the history behind it is and kind of do you surf there often what the vibes are like out there? So short side note, no, I've actually never surfed there. I spend most of my time up in Dunsborough and there is quite a divide between the two. (laughs) So I don't tend to go down a lot, but Margaret River main break, actually, it's really interesting. Just on Surfing WA's Instagram this week, um, they put out a film made by Farmhouse Films, and it was this really cool collection of all these different archive recordings of the Margie's Pro, like from, from the early days right through. And I would suggest if you want to know anything about main break, it's going and having a look at something like that. And there's the story about the time Tom Curran surfed the wave all the way down to Rivermouth and walked back up the path. And there's times when it's so, so massive and, you know, people are getting absolutely swamped and wiped out. And the thing about Margaret River is it's, it's raw and it's out there. It attracts a lot of swell and it can throw anything at you. So at Margaret River, where the guys will be surfing in the CT, there's, yeah, a left and a right there, and the left and the right are both quite different in the kind of wave that they are. Yeah, and, and you'll see it throw up quite a few challenges for everyone, as it has been doing the last couple of days while everyone's been warming up and breaking their boards and coming in going, oh, God, <laughs> this is actually going to be something. Do you have any uh, insider tips on anyone who is looking super informed for those fantasy nerds out there? It's hard to tell who's who when you don't have a lens to look out because actually the break is kind of a bit far out and when you're getting those kind of glaring suns and everyone's just in a black wetsuit, right. um, it's a bit tricky to see. But, yeah, everyone has been out there and they've been warming up and you, you can see that the kind of the John John turn from the other year, the D'Souza, you know, the big power, big power hats, big carbs, they'll all be back in vogue at Margie's on Sunday. <laughs> 
For sure. Well, you know what? I've only surfed there once and um, it is a long paddle. I got a little spooked when I was there. I caught a couple lefts. I didn't dare go right and try to do a floater tweak, land on that shelf. That's not me. And somewhere where I would never even fathom to even think or even dream about going is a wave that they call the box, which has to be yeah. one of the most menacing, demonic things that gurgles out of the ocean. What is the deal with that thing? Yeah, pretty hectic. And that'll be really interesting to see, you know, five West Aussies in the comp this year and with the guys who've got Jacob Wilcox, Cyrus Cox and Jack Robinson. And if it's big and they are over at the box, I think you will see some really good surfing out of the local guys. For sure. And, you know, we had uh, the women at Pipe earlier this year and we had Sally Fitzgibbons on the lineup and she was talking about going out to the box by herself pulling into a couple. So I'm excited to see if they run out there. Like I would love to see Carissa pulling in or Tyler or Sally, any of them pulling in to some amazing barrels. What about Willow? Do you think she has some time out there at the box? Or um, I couldn't answer that personally. I don't know, but Willow, I think she's won like the last five competitions that she's entered. And this is a girl who, when we talked to her the other day after winning the trials, we were saying, you know, what's the forecast looking like? What are your thoughts on it? She's like, it's looking pretty solid. It's looking like it's going to be big. I really hope it's big. I like it when it's big. So this is a girl who is so West Australian in that sense. She's going, I want it to be big. I want to perform in big waves. So it's going to be epic. Yeah, she sounds like an absolute legend. I can't wait yeah. to watch her surf. I heard on another podcast that she won an event and thanked her cats for giving her good luck, I believe, which oh. is like the cutest thing ever. And I'm so excited to watch her rip. Positive affirmations. Yeah, the, the kitten's <laughs> giving good vibes. Cats always give good vibes. I love dogs too, but uh, I had a cat. Molly, I love you. I miss you. Anyways, speaking of the event, are you going to be down there shooting and participating or working the event this year? Yeah, I'm doing some work this year with Surfing WA. So we're writing some content and um, be doing some photos, not at their competition, but while the comp runs, there will also be an event on in town at the skate park, which is going to be pretty epic for all the groms, but you'll be skateboarding, basketball, rock climbing, all this kind of stuff. So yeah, I'll be there for all of that. And we'll be following the WA trialist through the main event, which is going to be super exciting. Right. Well, I'm excited to read some of your writing. Um, I personally will never <laughs> forget meeting you on the beach at Laura Trestles and immediately being inspired by your froth. Obviously, I was like, oh, such a frother. Like, this is amazing. And then later being even more enamored with your creativity and your writing and your artistic endeavors. You do so much cool stuff. And I've been lucky enough to read a few of your amazing articles and a lot of the things that you've written over the day, especially a couple of articles for Tracks Mag and a couple just other really good reads. And you've sent me some great personal stories, so I can't thank you enough for that. What does writing mean to you and how did you get started with it? That's a pretty good question. Writing to me is the storytelling. And I would say the way I first got into that is is through stories. So when I was 17 years old, I finished high school in Scotland and I went away on gap year and did English teaching in Sri Lanka for six months and had an epic experience there of working with the kids and traveling. And we went up to India for a while. 
and just fell in love with stories, with all the different people that you meet, with all the things that are going on around the world and people completely different from you, you know, like people who come from a different country and a different culture. Yeah, I've always been in love with the stories, pretty much spent the next, you know, 10, 12 years after that, just traveling and moving around and going here and there. And I just find it fascinating what people are up to in different countries, uh, what their stories are. And I really like the idea of telling some of those stories so that the dialogue that we we see in media and magazines and on social media is eclectic and different. And we're getting a really cool dose of all the different things that are going on. And I think how I got into doing some writing in the surf concept side of it was it was, I think, the 2003, 13 and I was living in Sydney. I'd just come back from a few months in the Mentorwise working at Pitstop Hill, amazing resort. If you ever get the chance to go out there post all this COVID stuff, it's an awesome surf experience. I've been dying to go there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so good. And then I was living back in Sydney and, you know, reading the surf magazines and stuff. And in the in the case of women's articles and anything that was written about women. I just felt really disappointed in what I was reading. It was like, how do you fold your beach towel? What's your favorite Beyonce album? And how do you decorate your room? And while that's fine, I just thought there's more. Like there's so much more to these people than just this superficial girly stuff where it's like when we read about guys, it's always kind of gritty and the challenges against what was going on there and there. And it's these really cool behind the scenes stories. So I thought, okay, well, instead of going on about, I don't like what I'm reading, why don't I try and write something that I would like to read? I had this idea like, oh, it'd be cool to do some writing about the women. And I was really lucky that uh, my cousin, who is Chris Nelius, who directed the film Girls Can't Surf, which has recently come out. I don't know oh, if you've wow. seen that. I haven't gotten the link yet. I've been dying to see it. Um, I really, really want to see it. I've heard incredible things. Yeah, it's it's an amazing documentary about all the grit and the grunt that the girls went through to to make surfing what it is today for women. And so, yeah, Chris, because I was living over in Bondi, um, Chris actually introduced me to Luke Kennedy, who's the editor of Tracks at the time, I think still is the editor now, and uh, met up with Luke and had a bit of a chat about, you know, writing some articles about the women. I said to him that I was really hoping to get to Fiji to the event out there. It was the first time that they were putting the women back at Fiji in so many years, and I thought it'd be epic to get out there. And yeah, I, I, I went out there, which is another story entirely. That was a crazy like four days of just the most serendipitous stuff happening. You couldn't even believe it. And yeah. And then at the end of it, I, I wrote a piece and Luke said, Hey, do you want us to publish it? And I was like, yeah, that sounds awesome. And then just kind of went from there. As you'd know, I spent the rest of the year cruising around, um, going to the surf events and flexi past 2014. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Flexi Pass, <laughs> hashtag Flexi Pass 2014. And we had some amazing times in France and Portugal, Hawaii, then being in Lisbon and lugging around. You were lugging around your suitcase, which um, you had been living out of for a bit, which you actually inspired me eventually to uh, do the same vibe and just go travel. But um, I just never forget this photo of us 
Randomly, a group of us were at a, a sex shop in Lisbon. I don't know why. I don't even know if we went in it. <laughs> There's a photo of us outside of it. And it just really uh, encapsulates like that moment, us awkwardly laughing. But you wrote something amazing about that because there you were with your bag and you were thanking all the people that you had had that journey with that year in 2014. And you said, never would I imagine that I'd be lugging all this, my life in a bag around the cobblestone streets of Lisbon and all the adventures that you had. That inspired me so much to throw all my shit into a storage unit and just get out there and travel. Granted, WSL kind of gave me a flexi pass of my own to go to <laughs> events and travel the world. But um, that year, I mean, it must have been incredible for you. What takeaways did you get? What are some of the more memorable experiences you had? And um, yeah, I just would love to hear a few stories from that year. Yeah, wow. That was that was an incredible, incredible year. And there were times when it was really hard work and there were times when it was so rewarding and there were experiences that happened that, like I said, never could I have imagined that the things that occurred would have occurred. But I think that they did from, again, kind of going back to that mindset, going to, I don't really know how I'm going to achieve this. I think I really want to achieve this. Um, I have got the drive to want to make it happen in any way, shape or form, and then being open to what came. And the people that helped me along that year were just so awesome. So I can't thank them enough. It was just this um, incredible experience of someone that you knew through someone who knew someone who housed me for a couple of nights here or who took me in for two weeks in Hawaii and I got to camp out in their garden in a tent to make this happen or people who I'd worked with on yachts in Sydney who put me in touch with another captain in France and then or in France in Fiji and then all of a sudden the deckies taking me out in the tender to cloud break to film Laird Hamilton paddling in with like these leg ropes wrapped around his waist like I don't even know what was going on like <laughs> and then from there jumping onto a sailboat with a couple of other random guys who had sailed from Sydney out to Fiji and just the whole year and I think that's why I came up with Flexi Pass just going it's just being flexible and these are the goals and the things that I want to get to and obviously the time frame was set with what the events were to get to, but it, everything that happened in between that was just like, okay, going to be open, going to be flexible, going to try and work really hard for it and just see what happens. So that was an incredible year. <laughs> wow. That's so awesome to hear. And for any listeners out there trying to achieve that, what's like one takeaway that helped you get through that? I personally, when I did that, I know that organization and dates are key because I spent many times where I was like, all right, I've got all this planned. And then randomly the event finishes early. I take a flight back to Los Angeles. I didn't have an accommodation. And one night I randomly just slept in my car. Nothing wrong with that. I got up at like five and went surfing, <laughs> but like things can go awry and it's so unpredictable that I found one takeaway for me was being super organized with a month or two in advance. Did you have any experiences like that or any takeaways from that? Yeah, I think you can see how different you and I are maybe in the way that we pack our suitcases because oh, yeah. you have literally put videos out there about why rolling is better than folding <laughs> <laughs> when packing your suitcase. <laughs> you got me there. You are absolutely right. Uh, 
so in comparison, I definitely look like complete shambles and completely unorganized. But there was some method in the chaos there. But I can't say that I was as organized as you. And you say you slept in your car one night. I think I had many nights sleeping in cars, on people's floors. Um, yeah, that one time in at Trestles when I thought I had some accommodation and we won't go into details, but everything kind of went downhill and it was like, shit, I have to get out of here right now. And then suddenly I was crashing on the floor in, yeah, a, a, a lot of random things that happened. There <laughs> there were some days where I woke up and was like, ooh, where am I? I kind of forgot. <laughs> but <laughs> but I was lucky enough to be around good people who would always like pick me up. Yeah. Yeah. I admire your... um just go with the flow vibes and attitude and another page I need and could and should rip out of your book for sure, because <laughs> I'm still organized to the T with my packing and, uh, you know, the video and all that it's out there. It exists just to show oh, how yeah. OCD I am with that. So eventually you wrote a lot on that wonderful year. And then eventually I started noticing you had spawned a lot of great, like, Instagram and websites and different blogs and stuff. One of which was um, Mops Media. One is Chip Advisor. 37 questions. And then a couple others. But firstly, what is Mops Media? Mops Media is now the kind of summary of all these different things that I've learned and experienced. And delivering, helping to deliver for different clients a medium and a way in which they can tell their story really effectively. So whether that's through a social media campaign and figure out some strategy around that, or it's writing some pieces for the paper to make sure the community involvement's there, or it's creating videos which show people, hey, what's going on here? And this is the thing that we're putting across. Yeah, so it kind of feels like a bit of an amalgamation of everything over the last 10 years or so coming into a business idea that can be used for different people. That's fantastic. And I think now more than ever, I know I could use your skills like that. And um, I think now as more things are kind of moving online with podcast platforms and just filming at home, that's like certainly a huge platform for people to utilize. So I'm sure you've been pretty busy. Thank you for taking the time to speak with me. <laughs> Like I said, this is like the absolute highlight of my career being on Frothcast. So I'm so stoked. <laughs> Sick. Well, that's a highlight of my career to hear that from you, Ledge. Uh, so what exactly is Chip Advisor? <laughs> so Chip Advisor, if you look at the logo, is a take on TripAdvisor, which we all know what TripAdvisor is. So with so much traveling around, you know, you look on TripAdvisor when you're in different countries and trying to find out which hotel to stay next, et cetera. It was reading quite a few comments that were the most stupid comments you could imagine. It was like, oh, the beach was too sandy or the air conditioning was too cold in our apartment. And just these like really stupid reviews of people saying ridiculous things. And so at the time when, you know, thought about doing blogging, I thought it would be cool to, this isn't even Chip Advisor, the stage one, it was going to be Shit Advisor. And it was just <laughs> going to be like scrolling Trip Advisor and just taking screenshots of like the stupidest reviews you've read and just putting them all into one place. <laughs> anyway, that. that was another, <laughs> that was an idea that was, you know, kind of there, but then fizzled. But all throughout since forever, I've always loved hot chips and 
uh, having hot chips. I think I was with my brother one day and he's also a creative genius and has many, many different skills in heaps of different places and we're having chips. And he said something like, oh, chip advisor, which was a play on the trip advisor, the shit advisor, chip advisor. <laughs> and then it just went from there. He made me up a logo that took like the trip advisor owl thing, but and it had like chips coming out of the beak and sand green background and stuff and just started uploading photos of hot chips. And really it is the quest to find Australia and eventually the world's best hot chip and the journey along the way. So <laughs> I eat hot chips, I take pictures of hot chips, and then I review them for the public so they know what's good. Amazing. Well, for our American listeners, chips, hot chips are French fries, as they would say, correct? Yes. And do you have a number one? Have you found that magical unicorn out there? Well, also one of the basis of starting this whole thing was in Dunsborough at Taz's Bakery, which has been there since, I don't know when, probably the 80s or something. The chips that come from Taz's have always been an ultimate favourite. And it's like in all the times I've travelled around the world and been in different places, that is one of the things I've missed about Dunsborough the most, Taz's hot chips. I don't know what it is they do to them. I think it's because they leave them in the bayonets for a while. You get those really like crisped up, salty ones at the bottom. Yeah, you'll probably have to look on the chip advisor to see what some of my explanations are. But Taz's Bakery in Dunsborough was kind of the baseline for being like, hey, this is one of the best hot chips ever. Amazing. Well, if the Nerdbot gods are listening and uh, if I'm so lucky, hopefully I get to come back there someday. Nerdbot gods, please put me in coach and uh, maybe we can go enjoy those chips. And at some yeah. point, I would love to do a pizza advisor taking yes. off your amazing inspiration uh, because I have tried so many pizzas in my life and now California burritos here in California. I'm looking for some good ones. So listeners, send us your chip recommendations, your pizza and your California burritos. Um, well, speaking of Dunsborough, I would love to kind of delineate like the difference between those couple regions there. You know, being around that area, uh, as Tupac would say, West is the best, and I totally back it. <laughs> Are there any kind of rivalries with like Margaret River, Gracetown, Yelling Up, Dunsborough? How are those all defined and what's are there different cultures and what's the deal there? Yeah, there are. And I think you find that quite a lot in surfing is that even on one beach, there can be defined groups of who's on what wave and what board riders is up this end of the beach and what board riders is up that end of the beach. And I think it's it's no different here. So the culture that you have in Margaret River is different from what you have up in Yelling Up. Margie surfers don't tend to surf in Yelling Up very much and vice versa. You'll often see actually during the peak of winter when we've been having back-to-back -back storms and it's been kind of horrible on the West Coast. Like I was saying before, we have this north-facing coast up here in Dunsborough and you get all these random novelty waves in the bays up here. And every so often in winter when it's been storms for a while, you'll see a bunch of Margie's crew up here going to surf these waves. Like, Man, it must be bad down in Margie's at the moment because we don't often see them up here. And then you've got Gracetown, which is in the middle, closer to Margaret River but in the middle of the two. And then you've also got the a beach up from that called Injured Up Beach and Gracetown and Injured Up are kind of the two crossover beaches where anyone from both Margie's and Yelling Up would surf at those two any time, but not always further than that. Yeah, there's, there's jokes about like needing passports to cross the borders and stuff like that. 
in that area, could you explain from all around there where the WA Surf Gallery is and what Aravina Estate is all about? Yeah, so the WA Surf Gallery is located in Aravina, which is one of the, the oldest wineries in the region. They've, they've had a name change in, in the length of time that they've been open, but I think they've been open since 1986. So they're a long-term winery in this region and they're closer to the yelling up end. So you've kind of got yelling up and then Smith's Beach at Aravina is down Wildwood Road, which is, say, closer to, to the Smith's end. Yeah, and it is a, a beautiful winery, as you've seen yourself, you know, set over hills and there's water there and the the actual winery itself has so many different things going on where there's the winery, they're brewing beer now, they've got the surf museum, there's a car museum there, they always have live music going on. So it's this really awesome spot for the whole family to come to because there's heaps of different things going on. And yeah, we were we were lucky enough to be given that space by Arabina to set up the WA Surf Gallery and because that that's always been a tricky thing, a space to create a gallery and you know, where are you gonna get that space from? So yeah, we're very, very grateful to Aravina for providing us with that space. It's amazing. Aravina is my favorite winery for sure out there. <laughs> I've been to a few, but uh Aravina, hands down, the people, the food, the wine. The vibes, they're just so on point. And uh, you are the curator for the gallery, correct? I'm one of, I'm in a team of, I'm in an awesome team of curators, historians, my old boyfriends. Yeah, in a team. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> well, I was lucky enough to go explore that as well. I was just blown away by how many like great artifacts are there. How do you go about curating a surf museum? What's What goes on behind that? The WA Surf Museum keeps its focus on West Australian surf history and used a chronological basis to curate, say, 1940s to 50s, 50s to 60s, 60s to 70s and and set it out in that kind of way um, because there is this really rich surf story here and there are so many different pieces of it. Um, from, you know, the, the surfing side, the surfboard innovation side, the culture, the e everything else that's gone on. It, yeah, it's really cool. So I think, yeah, we use a bit of a foundation of a timeline in order to set that up. It is this amazing collection that has been loaned to us by the community. So it's come together because of the generosity of the community in saying, yeah, we want to get behind this. We we have some memorabilia that we'd like to put in and that we'd like to showcase. And it's really been a, a team effort between the historians and the guys who who know all the history and pulling that together in, in a creative way to display it, but with the generosity of the community loaning their pieces to go on display there. Yeah, so it's a really cool collection between photos and surfboards and artifacts and history and stories and big wave checks and incredible aerial photos and pipeline surfboard trophies and so many different things. Wow. I'm sure it would be hard to decide, but if you had to, are there like two pieces in there that you just go, wow, I can't believe this is here. That just blew your mind. There is, there's a good collection of accordingly surfboards and memorabilia in there and the Cordingley brothers have been quite staple in surfboard 
shaping and manufacture throughout the years that's that's pretty cool and we always find the accordingly memorabilia gets a really good engagement from the community people like that a lot yeah really it's it's a lot of the surfboards so i just like to say actually pay respects to tom hoy who recently passed away he was an american who came over to margaret river i think it was in the 60s maybe the 70s and has been a really integral part of surfboard design innovation over the years. And some of the boards that we have in the gallery are this pay tribute to how much Western Australia has contributed to surfboard design, which comes a lot from the waves, you know, the powerful waves that are here needing to be these precise designs in order to fit. And there have been a lot of guys here who have gone over and surfed in Hawaii and done really well in Hawaii and there's that crossover there. And, Mm. yeah, so I think that's that's one takeaway for me is that, and obviously having worked with a surfboard manufacturer here for a long time, seeing what goes into surfboard design I think is just absolutely fascinating. And in Western Australia we've got this really awesome group of shapers and designers and innovators. So that's really cool, I think. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. I appreciate it. And I've kind of made that connection recently as well with Hawaii and West Oz. I mean, both two places where the raw power is so much different than what I grew up with surfing these beach breaks in California. The quickness and the amount of swell that can just rise within a 10 to 20 to 30 minutes, I've said it time and time again, is just mind boggling. can go from two foot faces within 30 minutes to 12 to 20 and you're stuck out there. Same with West Oz. The times I've surfed out there, I've just been rattled by a few waves out there in West Oz where I'm like, ooh, I should... uh." actually duck dive a little harder, paddle harder, be on my wits out here. I've surfed a couple great places, but I've loved them all the same. I've surfed gas a decent amount. That's usually where like we'd have the crew out at Gas Bay, but I'll never forget a day I surfed at um, Honeycomb Beach. What area is that? I don't know if I should be saying that or not. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Honeycombs is kind of halfway in between Margie and Yelling Up Way. Yeah. It's bit up north from Mother River. Oh my God. We had a fantastic day where it was just crystal clear, beach break, perfect barrels. And it was a dream scenario. It was probably me and like, you know, five of the homies just scoring, frothing off our eyeballs, just like, oh my God, I can't believe this. Sure enough, our friend got buzzed by old mate in a gray suit and he went in and we're like, why is old mate like going in? What's going on here? For those listening who don't know what old mate in a gray suit is, a shark. <laughs> buzzed him and he went in. So went back out. It happened again for the second time. We all came back in, five of us sitting around having a powwow and being like, all right, we've seen this thing twice. If you know, we go back out, strengthen numbers, let's just paddle out together. If we see it again, there's no way we're paddling back out there. It's just not worth it, even though it's perfect. So sure enough, we all paddle out together and we're sitting out there. I'll never forget all five of us sitting in a row, maybe even eight of us, I don't know. But all of a sudden, one of my mates, Drew Dog, I'll never forget him just like going from sitting to completely vertical on his board like he had just seen a ghost. And he goes, oh shit, guys. And I have GoPro footage of this where we're like, all of us are like, oh shit. And we just like, this thing buzzed the inside of us. Like, we were all sitting decently on the lineup and it buzzed the inside. So we're like, oh shit, we paddle in as fast as we could. And, um, you know, I think it was just a juvenile who was hungry, but that was the first and let's hope the last time I saw one. 
the price of perfect waves, probably not worth um, hanging out with Mr. Graysuit Old Mate because it is his home. And I respect you, Mr. Old Mate Graysuit. I'm sorry, dog. Yeah. But what an experience. Do you surf around that area much? Or? Um, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes go down there. But it, it's interesting you should talk about the, oh, we, we went out and again, and if we see it one more time, then we'll come in. That's one thing that I always found quite interesting about WA is people are so they they know that sharks are there and they exist and we're in their environment that quite often the perfect waves win out over the danger of a shark so i think we were surfing super tubes one day and it was just small but it was nice and the helicopter came over and the helicopter came right down it was probably you know four meters above us siren on hands were out to the side like get out get out get out All of us paddled in and one co-host just like, nah, I'm staying. Waves are good and everyone just paddled in. <laughs> it's, like, it's not an uncommon occurrence. <laughs> the Yeah, warnings to go off or people to say, yeah, we just saw a shark like five minutes ago and everyone's like, ah, it's probably gone now. All right, out we go. <laughs> oh, my God. I think that happened to me once at Smith's Reef actually as well. And uh, I was quick to get out there. But what is it about West Oz that there are so many like, underground charger legends like that who are just all about powerful waves charging getting super tubed as the swellians would say rinsing the corn getting super barreled pulling into cones and just charging what is it about the west that like breeds so many amazing men and women who just so happen to surf and do it damn well i think it goes back to that talking about the allure of what Western Australia is. Um, It's not the most heard of place on the planet, but I think everyone who comes here does fall in love with it and just go, this is so amazing. The waves are incredible. There's waves 365 days a year. The place is beautiful and raw and it's a great environment to live in and I think people have a super healthy respect for the ocean and nature here and enjoy it, really enjoy it and see it as a privilege to be here. And I, yeah, everyone just always said it just it's great being here. It's another great day. We love it and we're, we're so grateful. So I think it comes out in that. People want to charge and they want to surf what nature has to offer here and that is a lot, a lot of really good, heavy, amazing waves. <laughs> For sure. Well, we love you, WA, and I am so (laughs) thankful and lucky to have met so many amazing people from there, yourself included. I mean, this conversation alone is filled with so many amazing stories. I would love to see if it's possible. I mean, you've had so much great travels and adventures and so many amazing moments. You have lived a very full life, and I am always proud and inspired by you and thankful and lucky to know you. I'm just wondering if you have any one like defining moment, whether it was in surfing or not, where you had a pinch me moment where you're like, is this really happening? This is my life. This is crazy. That's a huge question. And there's been a lot of times, but I think going back to that first event of (laughs) Flexi Pass 2014, it was the Fiji trip. I wanted to go, I was living in Sydney. I wanted to go to Fiji. I knew that, you know, the girls were back there for the first time since forever. It would be really cool to be out there. I wanted to write about women surfing. I'd just been introduced to Luke who said, cool, we'll make a space for you to write about it. If, you know, you get yourself out there. 
I had no money to get out there. I was like, how am I going to figure this thing out? I was talking to my mom about it. She was like, well, you know, you could approach your dad in a business sense and you could set him out a business plan of what you're going to do and, Dad, would you like to sponsor this and make this happen and I'll deliver X, Y, and Z. Okay, so I got to work and got this business plan together for Dad. Dad, we paid my flights to go over. I've got this lined up. This is what I'm going to make happen, etc. Okay, yep, yeah, I'll, I'll pay for your flights to get over. Okay, cool. Tick, one thing that I've got happening there. Flights to get over, no idea, like, where I'm going to stay or what's going to happen there. Wow. And then it was so random and I was working on a boat in Sydney and we were getting it ready for a charter for the next day. And these two guys came up the dock and said to me and the captain, oh, we're a couple of crews short for one of the race boats on the harbour. We've got some guests coming on this afternoon. Do you guys want to jump on and crew with us because we need a couple more crew? Captain was like, oh, we're meant to be getting this boat ready for charters. And we're like, come on, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it, thinking this is going to be way more fun than, like, shining silver and cleaning chamois windows. And so we jump on this boat. We're, we're out there. We're having a hell time, you know, on the grinders, sailing, picked up people from Darling Harbour there, having a great time. And there was this one lady on the boat, Michelle, and I was talking to her about my idea of going out to Fiji and I'd love to get out there and I don't really have anywhere to stay and just my ideas. And then she said to me, I- I've got a place out there. Like, I know someone who lives out there. Like, I'll put you in touch with this guy. You know, you can message him, see if anything's going to happen. Okay, so I messaged this guy. He says to me, he's an American. He says, I'm not there at the moment. I'm away somewhere else, but you can stay there. Like, it'll be fine with my housemates. No worries. Like, come and stay at my place for four days or whatever. So just in one day, it's gone from I've got nowhere to stay to like on this boat, meet this lady, call this guy. Yep, you can stay at my house even though I'm not there. All right, so I'm going out to Fiji. And then obviously... On Fiji, you know, there's the islands where you're staying on, but Cloudbreak and restaurants, the islands out there with the waves, they're they're way out there. It's like, okay, well, I'm not here with a boat. Like, how do I even get out there? And that captain who I'd been working for in Sydney said, I know someone, another captain who's out there on a boat at the moment and it's in the marina there. Why don't you get in touch with them? arrive there, you know, meet these people who I'm living with at the house who don't know who I am, you know, go down to the dock, I'm dock walking, trying to find the boat that it is, yeah, see the name of the boat, go there, see there's like, you know, a decky and a stewardess, hey, um, they're like, my captain said, you know, your captain, blah, blah, blah. And they said, oh, the captain's not here at the moment, you know, he's somewhere else, it's just us. And got talking to them and said what I wanted to do and I want to get out to cloud break and they're like, oh, well, we're, we're going to finish up soon and, you know, we've got some other guy who's working on the boat at the moment, a tradie. Should we jump in the tender and we'll go out there? I was like, yeah, amazing. Let's <laughs> jump in the tender and go out there. And so, you know, out we go, going out. It's on hold at the moment. Cloudbreak was, like, really big but it was a bit chunky and wobbly so there was no contest going on. That's when, you know, sort of laid out there and he's – got whatever contraption he had going on and paddling in and it was amazing. But then the guy's like, we've got to go back because we've got to go pay our worker and we've got to finish up for the day. Are you going to come back? I'm like, I obviously don't want to go back to shore. I'm here. I want to be here. And then this sailboat or the tender goes up to this sailboat. These two guys have just got in from surfing restaurants 
and they're on a sailboat there and this Deccan stew went up on the tenant to the sailboat and they're all chatting and laughing. They must have been at a dock party a couple of nights ago. Oh, how'd you shape up? Oh, I was so hungover, etc. etc. Right. And talking to these guys, these two guys from Sydney who are on a sailboat. And then I said to them, Hey, do you guys have any spare room on your boat? They're like, Yeah, like why? What do you mean? It's like, well, I I want to stay out here and for the contest and try to explain what was happening. And they were like, Yeah, sure, come and stay on the boat, jump on. So I jumped from that tender, jumped onto the boat, <laughs> ended up staying with them. They ran the contest, I think, at restaurants the next day. The girls are there, got some good photos of it. Then they eventually went back around to Cloud Break, still on the boat with the guys from Sydney. Then the men are on at cloud break. Everyone rocks up in the channel. You know, it's busy with boats, et cetera. And these mm. Sydney guys are saying, we're kind of done. I think we're going to go off. I think we want to go surf another break somewhere. Yeah, we're going to cruise off. What are you doing? Like, oh, I don't really want to leave now. Like the contest is still happening. Tell me if we don't have time for this story because there's still a bit more. No, I'm Keep loving going. it. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So then they're like, what are you going to do? And the guy who I'd been staying in a house with on shore, he just rocked up on his boat. They'd just been fishing somewhere. I jumped from the sailboat onto his boat, hung out with those guys for a bit. It was awesome. They had sandwiches. We got some food. It was really nice. And then they said, oh, we've got to go now because i got to pick my father-in-law up from the airport or something like that. What do you want to do? <laughs> and I can't even remember how this next connection happened, but there was – a guy, a local Fijian guy who had a boat and he, on his boat, were all the Samsung guys because they had been trying to film, I think, this advert for Samsung, big wave surfing with all the big wave guys up at Cloud Break. And he was there and this local Fijian guy was there who my housemate introduced me to. I ended up jumping onto that boat, hanging out with those guys, but it was all a bit, you know, hush, like, don't really say much. These are the guys from Samsung. Anyway, the day was out of cloud break. I ended up coming back with those guys on that boat. And I think when I got back to shore after a couple of days of boat hopping from boat to boat to boat to boat to boat to, to make this thing happen, got back to the house, wrote this article, sent it away to Luke. And then he sent me the email back saying, we like it we're going to publish it. Is that cool? Or something like that. And I think that was the pinch me moment, just going, wow, that just happened in the course of a few days. People that I've never met before, all these strangers who helped all these things to happen, but then the end result was what the goal was at the beginning, to write a piece and to get it published. And I think the title read something like Girl's Eye View of the Women's Fiji Pro theme at Donnelly School Supplies in the channel at Cloud Break. And that was a pinch me moment. Wow. And that was the <laughs> beginning of it all, huh? That is yeah. such a cool story because I think it just really shows the power of saying yes and putting yourself out there and just going for it. Even if you don't have a plan or have your shirts rolled into a suitcase, you just say, <laughs> you know what? Getting there is half the battle. Once I get there, I'm, I have this goal. I'm going to achieve it. I'm going to do it. And then you are talented enough to actually write about it and live it. So I want to go back and read that article. I'm insanely <laughs> excited to check that out because um, I can't remember when Trestles is after Fiji at that year, but I think I met you shortly after that. And to see how much that year 
you grew and you were inspired, you inspired others and how much just positive vibes you attract and just the good times we had and after parties and random places all over the world <laughs> showing you Hollywood and Los Angeles and all cool. that many, many good times with you. And um, even writing a few of the questions I had for you, I just had so many goosebumps because we just had so many good times and I'm so inspired by you. I would absolutely love to have you back again. This has been such an honor and I can't thank you enough for your time, your froth and uh, <laughs> just honestly, all your inspiration. Keep doing what you're doing freaking killing it and owning it. I look forward to seeing the event. I look forward to seeing more from Chip Advisor, from Mops Media, from the gallery and getting back out there someday and frothing with you. Speaking of all those endeavors that you have, what's the best way for people to reach out and find you on socials or websites and all that? Yeah, probably just at Mops Media. There's one word, M-O-P-S as in Mops and Media, Mops Media. Fantastic. And any parting words for maybe some of the Grom listeners out there who want to be eventually become a ledge dog such as yourself? <laughs> um, well, it's hard to say that you are a legend. That's a bit, Thank you very much. <laughs> it's really nice. But I think, like you said, it's just saying yes. It's setting goals and intentions for the things that you want in your life and then not being afraid of the way that those things are going to come to you. So saying yes to the opportunities, even if they didn't seem like they were the direct path you wanted, they're, they're still moving you towards it. So, yeah, saying yes. Thea, thank you so much. This was incredible. And uh, I look forward to hopefully seeing you soon. Thank you, Hendo. It's been amazing and a privilege and all hail the froth. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's it. That's all, folks. Thanks again to Thea for her pure froth. Make sure you follow her on Instagram at Mops Media for all of her latest adventures. And thank you, my friend, for taking the time to listen today yesterday and tomorrow. Thank you for lending me your ears, your beers, and your cheers. Keep on frothing in the free world and I will see you all next time at the Frothcast. Have a wonderful day. Yoo-hoo!